Welcome to Shoot the Hostage, I am Dan. And I'm Sarah, and we're a movie show that covers eight films each season, tied together by a central theme. This season, the theme is folklore. We cover everything from explosive action to spine-tingling horror and everything in between. And as a heads up, we don't hold back on coarse language or specific plot details, so listener discretion is advised. This podcast is brought to you by our amazing patrons, without whom the show would not be possible. If you'd like to help out and access all of our bonus content, including new reviews and rap shows, all the relevant links will be in the show notes. And if you're not a Patreon person, but you would still like to help out, you could rate and review us on your podcast player of choice tell a friend and get them to rate and review us as well or come follow us and interact with us on social media mostly instagram x threads tiktok all at sch underscore pod without further delay here's this week's episode we hope you enjoy it and stick around So we're sticking with folklore. We are. Season four folklore, don't forget. Folk four. Folk floor. Folk, Folk floor. to the floor. Uh, this is episode four of season four <laughs> of oh, folklore. No. Uh, episode 28 overall. Crazy. Those numbers are climbing, aren't they? That's that's what happens. It is. If that's you maths. do it, every time you do it, you add another one. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. That's what she that said. That is what she said, yes. <laughs> How many times are we going to do it? Well, that's what she said in this. Um, seven. Seven. All right. Is that <laughs> not the first one? Yeah. Six more to go. All right. Take a shot every time you say, <laughs> that's what she said. So, Free Jack. No. I've been co- <laughs> Free way. <laughs> I've been referring to this as Free Jack all week because it makes me laugh a bit. But I, just before we started recording, I was doing the toilet and I thought to Nobody myself, needs to hear that. I, can, I can link this to Free Jack. Oh, go on. How? What, like a six degrees of separation yeah, kind of thing? Really easily as well. Okay. So... Oh, no, I forgot. Not that that. easily, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Oh, no, brain's gone dead. Um, So Amanda Plummer is in this movie. Yes. Amanda Plummer is in a Tarantino movie. Yes. Called Pulp Fiction. Oh, that one, yes. (laughs) Uh, You heard of it? Um, It's familiar to me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Quentin Tarantino also wrote a movie called True Romance. Tentin Quarantino. Sorry? (laughs) Yes, he did. Go on. And in uh, True Romance, and I only know this because we watched it just the other day <laughs> somebody's watching free jack in that movie for oh some god reason. yeah and i think amanda Plummer might be in free jack that would be way easier wouldn't it yeah i could have just said you've amanda just added Plummer's... an extra step <laughs> hang on is she in this we'll get to what the cast we're not here to talk about free jack anyway she was in free jack oh no i forgot about that in my notes so yeah i've connect connections Movie connections. There we go. Smart. Yeah, I know. Smart, isn't it? So you own this on VHS and on DVD. I do. A Region 1 DVD. I do. And it's on Freevee. Is it? Yeah. So so people have no excuse not to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So hopefully you've seen it then, because as we say, we're going to spoil these things. But yeah, you you own it on multiple formats, which blows my mind. (laughs) I love this film. I don't know why I'm so surprised. And listen, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I liked this film a lot as well. Oh, yes. Thank God. I had so much fun watching this film. And I'm glad because I wasn't sure when we put it on. I was like, is this going to be 90s trash? Yes. And and it is. (laughs) It is. But quite often, 90s trash doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. But I think the comedy in this works for me so well that it... It works for me on on a comedy level, um, okay. Dark comedy level. So mm-hmm. we'll get into all of that. But <laughs> okay. b- before we we do get going with the movie, as we said, 
you own this on VHS. Mm-hmm. We watched a movie on VHS uh, last season, didn't we? We did, Fire, Fire in the, the Sky. That's right, Fire in the Sky. And it was such a wonderful experience, wasn't <laughs> it? I mean, we could see everything that was going on. We had no issues where the picture was coming in and out. There was the, no tracking, yeah. No tracking, the sound was exquisite. And we could hear every single word that was said. Why did anybody ever upgrade to Blu-ray? Yeah, but it's it's nice to have the, the videos on the shelf. It's nice. It's nice to watch them. It's nice to have the videos on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? And we were going to, because it was kind of, we had a bit of fun with that episode. We did, we thought, well, yeah. Let's watch this one on VHS. We didn't, but we watched the trailers. We did, on the yeah. VHS we, <laughs> we got curious. half the experience. We did, yeah. We thought, well, we'll watch the trailers because we did that for Fire in the Sky as well, didn't we? We spoke about what was what was on the on the video. So go on, remind me. All right. So it was, it was a, there was a weird theme going through the trailers of this 90s movie. The first one was for a movie called The Boys Club. Yeah, which I'd never heard of. I've never heard of it either, but it had Chris Penn in it and he was coasting on that Reservoir Dogs heat in the 90s, obviously. <laughs> but uh, it looked like Toilet and it was called The Boys Club. And I couldn't be less interested <laughs> in The Boys I didn't think it looked like Toilet. It looked a little bit like sort of summer of 84. Yeah, okay, okay. I, I, I have a real problem when trailers spoil the movie and I okay. felt like... The more sort of old trailers we've been watching lately, I feel like older trailers are worse for spoiling movies. Somehow, yeah. And I didn't think that that was possible because they're pretty <laughs> bad now. Yeah. But back then, I just they pretty much showed you a condensed version of the entire movie. And had I had any interest in The Boys Club, um, I don't think I would have after having watched the trailer because it told me everything that I think was going to happen in the movie. Even including things that I thought were a big, big old surprise, or meant to be a big old surprise. But yeah, anyway. What else? So <laughs> move on, Dan. Yeah, all right. Get the hint. So the second one was a movie called Demon House. Oh God, yeah. Which... And the whole time I was just like, "This is a rip off of Night of the Demons." But then we Googled it and it turns out it is actually Night of the Demons 3. <laughs> yeah, which is weird. I guess maybe because that was a Region 2 VHS. Being yeah, whatever pal, it is. Uh, no. Yeah, pal. And um, so I don't know if it was called just called something else in the UK. European but then we releases. couldn't we couldn't find evidence of it being called Demon House anywhere. So that was really odd. Yeah, that is a weird one. So there was that, and you were quite right. It was linked to the Night of the Demons. And I do kind of want to watch it now. Do you? Yeah. Have oh, you not seen it? <laughs> no. Okay, fair enough. And then after that, it was just a, a barrage of generic 90s thriller names, such as <laughs> Power of Attorney, oh, yeah. or Little White Liars, or Crime Times. Oh, yeah. Not Time Crimes. Not to be confused <laughs> yeah. with Time Crimes. That's right. And Mulholland Falls. Oh, yeah. Also with Chris Penn. He was, he was having a moment, yeah, in the mid to late 90s. Yeah, he was about a bit, wasn't he? Um, yeah, so a, a bunch of old crap really i think <laughs> to be honest a bunch of forgotten shit yeah with the exception of demon house i've almost zero percent interest in anything else on that i would agree yeah yeah but uh all very very 90s mm-hmm. affair. it got uh, us in the mood it, it really did get us in the mood didn't it because yeah. after that we stopped the vhs and then put the dvd <laughs> on um and watched it with a little bit more clarity yeah a lot more clarity so 1996 mm-hmm. this one 1996 i think might be our most covered year so far i think you're right yeah <laughs> we've got for some like, complete accident we don't really think about the years too much when we're programming no. films because there's so much else to think about with what's going to fit in with the theme are they available and all of that stuff and, and lineups yeah. so year is not something we typically pay a great deal of attention to but and it's to- just f- 
it amuses me how just how many 90s movies <laughs> that we've gotten into our, I'm, our I'm few, not amazed. few episodes so far. I'm not amazed. The 90s were a golden age for trash. Uh, they were, yeah, <laughs> that's, that is definitely true. I mean, it was so 90s though, this movie. We were, I, I feel like we were just short of wearing global hypercolor t-shirts and Fat Willis swimming shorts. Yeah, I think the only... Looking at a magic eye picture. <laughs> oh, it's an octopus. It was a distilled... 1990s film akin to things like i don't know it's it's freaked more of a like distillation of the 90s um what would you because they're quite similar they both have that sort of vaguely animated intro yeah and they're both insane yeah with quite kind of um what's the i don't know what a good word is like kind of bombastic opening music over the the animations like i did look i just pulled freaked out of my house i wasn't expecting to have to make correlations um but yes very 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 90s i'm sure that one day we will talk about freaked because i'm sure that you're going to get that on the lineup probably a a circus theme or or something right i've already covered it twice on two different podcasts (laughs) why not make it lucky number three yeah why not you love it so we'll, we'll talk about it one day i am sure Hell yeah. But obviously folklore, this is your season. Mm-hmm. You're the folklore um, Oracle. expert. Oracle? I like Oracle. You like Oracle. <laughs> yeah. You? you could be the folkloracle. Okay. So, I, I wish you to refer to me as the folkloracle. Folkloracle. From, from now on. From this point forward. Yes. Yeah. So this is based on the Little Red Riding Hood, right? It is, yeah. Do you want more information? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, Little Red Riding Hood. So I did do some research. Very, very little in uh-huh. terms of the folklore stuff. So I'm hoping you've got a bit more info. But I do know, obviously, well, I, I, do, I say obviously, I Googled it. And then it <laughs> took me to Wikipedia and I read the first line. And as we know, everything on Wikipedia is to be taken as fact. Yeah, exactly. I wrote some nonsense on Wikipedia once about Andy Peters. And within about five <laughs> minutes, it had been changed. And I got a message saying, you can't make stuff off about Andy Peters. I'm sure <gasps> you would appreciate it. What did you write? It was nothing bad. <laughs> I said that he was found in a cardboard box under a snooker table, and it's amazing that he's made it as far as he has. <laughs> oh, you're such a strange man. But that's why I think that you, Wikipedia is it's, it's the, probably the best resource we have. I'm not saying everything's accurate. There's obviously things can be skewed and changed and stuff. Okay, yeah, if you can't make up stuff about Andy Peters, you're definitely not going to get away with altering the Little Red Riding Hood page. Yeah, exactly. But the first first, uh, first line on uh, Wikipedia that I read about Little Red Riding Hood is that Little Red Riding Hood can be traced back to pre-17th century European folktales. Apparently it's got origins in French folktales specifically. I did see the name Grimm. Brothers well, Grimm. Is it Brothers the Brothers Grimm? It's become Grimm synonymous with Grimm's fairy tales, yes. They did an update. They did a version. I believe so, yes. Um, from the information that I did, I did a little bit of digging. There are several different versions, but the earliest known version that was found in print was called Le Petit Chaperon Rouge. And many people think it was derived from French folklore because mm. of that. Okay. Um, so per- perhaps not, but we don't know. I mean, we're all pretty familiar with the story right i mean i know that there is a wolf there is a wolf and yes. i know there's a grandma for a short time <laughs> yeah i think i'd forgotten about the grandma actually I, i've not thought about little red riding hood in Minutes. 35 years <laughs> and until this movie at all like it's never even entered my consciousness at all so that's as much as i can remember um so it, it was quite nice that when this movie got to the end i was quite surprised i guess if you are more familiar with the tale you might have an idea of where this might end up which is yeah. insane <laughs> 
um, but very enjoyable. Indeed. Yeah, so is, was there any other folklores in this? Was, is it just Little Red Riding Hood? Did it take inspiration from anything else? Did it's, you notice? It's just Little Red Riding Hood, but there do appear to be a couple nods to like other Grimm's fairy tales, but they, they're vague and I might be reading too much into that. They were talking about the police officers and well, referring yeah. to them as pigs quite yeah. a lot. So I was just obviously thinking, little pig, little pig, let me in. Yeah, three little pigs was another famous yeah. one. Not by the hair on my chinny chin chin. First CD I ever bought that. Green Jelly. Do you remember that? Green Jelly? Is it Green Jelly? I don't know. First first cassette tape I ever bought was Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers. Oh, was it? I don't remember Green Jelly. <laughs> anyway. So was there a little, little Pigs references in this? Is that what they were trying to get? You could You could infer that, yes. Um, so yeah, much like a lot of the other Grimm's fairy tales, it was a morality tale. Like a lot of folklore is, it's sort of yeah, I guess so. intended to have some sort of message to it I or lesson. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I guess that's the reason that we hear about these things when we're kids. Because mm-hmm. it's like, don't break into someone's house and eat their porridge because it might burn your mouth. That was Goldilocks, wasn't it? Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have all fairy tales just merged into one in your mind i think all fairy tales i think all disney movies right i think all of that stuff is just things that i haven't thought about since i was seven years old <laughs> when i was forced to listen to this stuff but yeah i guess they are i guess they are um don't get in that oven because it's a bit hot and they might <laughs> eat and gretel yeah, yeah there we go exactly. another one yeah um so in this case obviously it was um don't trust strangers stranger danger stranger danger very much yeah i mean We've called this 90s trash, and it definitely is, but it does have a few things to say as well. I'll be interested to hear what you think they are. Okay. We'll get into that. <laughs> Had a three million budget this, which I was, which blew three my mil. mind. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's because Oliver Stone must oh, have- produced it. Yeah. So he yeah. Must, have, must have got the money in for it, but it only made $300,000. So it must have done pretty well on home release because it did spawn a sequel. It did. Yeah. Which was called Freeway 2. Confessions of a Trick Baby. Yeah. Yeah. I know Trick Baby. That's where they got that from. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that was also directed by Matthew Bright, who directed this one. So, yeah, it must, like I say, it must have just done pretty well on VHS and DVD for it to justify a sequel. I'm sure the budget for the sequel was was really low, way lower than three million. I genuinely have no idea how well it did at the time because it's one I didn't find until the sort of mid 2000s, I would say. Mm. I came to this about 10 years after it had already been out. I didn't see it in the 90s, sadly. Yeah, it could be the Oliver Stone thing. There are some other connections there. Obviously, you've said it's directed by Matthew Bright. He went to school with Richard Elfman. Mm brother of Danny Elfman. Mm. Matthew Bright and Richard Elfman collaborated a number of times. Mm. I believe Matthew Bright wrote a number of films that Richard directed. Richard kind of wrote Danny in. Or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe he was friends with Danny Elfman. I've forgotten. Anyway, they all know each other. (laughs) I've got a note here about Matthew Bright who said that he had, uh, yeah, he was actually an actor on I think a 1980 movie called Forbidden Zone. The Forbidden Zone, yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> Which were, have you seen that one? Such a strange movie. Okay, but that was, as you say, directed by Richard Elfman, mm-hmm. who is brother of Danny Elfman. Yeah. Um, Danny Elfman plays Satan in that movie, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and da- obviously, Danny Elfman did the score for this movie. He did. I'll go on record as saying I only really noticed the music in the intro and the outro. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think I I agree with that. I I think I only noticed it really during the opening credits, the opening animated credits and the end words 
where the, the end the words. Yeah, also credits. <laughs> it's funny because one of my notes was initially, obviously we see the name Danny Elfman right at the start over the animated uh, intro credits. And one of my first notes was just Danny Elfman sounding very un-Elfman-like. And then it kicks in and yeah. I immediately retconned that statement. I was going to say it felt pretty Elfman to me. It did, yeah. Yeah. And those those opening credits were pretty crazy as well. It, it was telling the little Red Riding Hood story and... It was, but in rather risque They were doing a big old zoom in on some cotton panties, weren't they? (laughs) It was a bit carry on. It was a bit weird, yeah. Yeah. Um, It was was a bit carry on, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Just (laughs) like young women bending over. Yeah. That was the height of uh, (laughs) risque at that time. Yeah, Benny Hill running around a garden sped up with several buxom females chasing him or whatever. And yakety sacks. What's yakety sacks? The, the Benny Hill music. Oh, is that what that's called? Yakety Yeah. It's the sort of knowledge that might come in handy in a pub quiz. Yakety yaks. Yakety sacks. Yakety sacks. <laughs> Don't talk back. <laughs> cast. Let's talk about the cast, shall Let's, we? Yeah. Let's talk about Keitha Sutherland. Let's talk about him because he plays a guy called Bob Wolverton. Did you say Keitha? I said Keitha. Keitha. I said Keitha. <laughs> and I'm going to delete the one that's right. Okay. What did, uh, what did I say? Keith. Keitha. Keitha, with an F. It is Keitha. It's Keitha. Yeah. It's Keitha Sutherland. Yeah. Son of... Donald. Um, Do- Donald. <laughs> That's it. I'd, I'd forgotten his name. For a minute. I was like, oh no, why did I start going down that road? And I can't remember. Yeah, he plays Bob Wolverton. Yes. Do you get it? Very subtly named Bob Wolverton. Yeah, I was yeah, scratching my head. I was like, why does that sound familiar? <laughs> I just, I'm going to have to Google this after. Very complicated movie this. <laughs> Obviously, Kiefer Sutherland was in The Lost Boys. He was, which yeah. Which is a classic vampire movie, an all-round just good time. I think so, yeah. A lot of people think it's a little bit overrated, but those people are incorrect. But I think they are incorrect. Yeah. Because, like, it's a I, banger. It's not a masterpiece, but it is a masterpiece in the sense that I've seen it uh, 74 times and it's so entertaining <laughs> yeah and it's got the, the greasiest most oiled up bloke with long hair and a saxophone that i've ever seen in my life and i think about you've that. seen others i've seen i uh, listen i've seen pumping iron <laughs> <laughs> i don't like, remember any saxophones in pumping iron it's like gummy i he was in dark city which was very good i don't think that's something that he's <laughs> remembered for is it i'm not talking about saxophone guy from lost boys i'm talking about yeah, I know you are. Do you I don't think anybody remembers Dark City. Don't you? No. I don't think about it a lot. I hear about it mentioned a fair amount Do on you? podcasts and stuff. Yeah. I can't remember the yeah, last it's... time I spoke to anybody about that movie. It's the good Alex Proyas movie. <gasps> are you oh, kidding? I'm sorry. He did The Crow, didn't he? And everyone loves The Fucking Crow. The Crow's great. Yeah. I thought it was fine. I'm so I'm regretting asking you to move in. I saw it. I thought it was fine when I saw <laughs> oh. it in 1993. I quite liked it, and then about it was how re- did you see it in 1993 when it came out in 94? Did it? Well, I saw it in 94 <laughs> then, 94 or 95, and then I thought I watched it and I thought, yeah, that was all right, and then didn't think about it again for five years until people were saying to me, "This is the best film ever made," and I'm like, "What the crowd? That movie that I watched five years ago on Sky Movies <laughs> at like 11pm on a Saturday night and thought, yeah, that was an alright revenge movie. And people love it. Incredibly stylish revenge movie. Yeah, looks really nice. One for the goths, Dan. I, I might have to rewatch that. That might have been something that was sort of a little bit lost on me when I was a kid. Okay, we can arrange that. Yeah, maybe that is due a rewatch. Um, obviously, I joke. People love that movie. The graphic novel, also excellent. Yeah? Ah. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be a, there's a reboot of, of The Crow being lauded about constantly, isn't there? There is, yeah. Wasn't it um, 
My mower was huh? the last one that I had linked with No, it. no, no. Bill Skarsgård. Oh, is it a Skarsgård now, is it? I think so. So, Kiefer, what else was he in? Flatliners? Yeah. <laughs> right. I thought Flatliners was pretty fun. Um, I, That's another one that I watched in the 90s and thought, yeah, that's fine. Didn't Fair love enough. it. Fair enough. I guess he's most well known for 24 these days. I guess so. I guess so. Jack Bauer. Yeah. I think maybe I'd, I'd seen one or two episodes of that and not, not for me. <laughs> Not for me. You didn't want to sit through the other 22 hours. It's a lot. It's just a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it's a big commitment. And I've written down Melancholia, but I haven't seen that, and I don't know how big his role is in the it. The Lars von Trier movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phone booth. Oh, yeah. He's voice, I mean, voice guy. Yeah, he's not really in it, is he? He's in it a bit. A Few Good Men, which we watched recently, actually, while it was on television. He did. Um, I remember... I think it was last week when we were talking about, uh, what was it, Rare Exports, and we were teeing up our next episode. And I think I was saying, I might have seen Freeway, and I couldn't remember if I'd seen it or not. And, were and you when thinking we... of Free Jack by any chance? No, I wasn't. <laughs> but when we started watching it, I thought, no, I don't think I have seen this one. But I know what I was mixing it up with. Okay. Because Kiefer Sutherland was in The Vanishing. Oh, and yeah. And I think I was mixing that up with this, because... Because there are also vehicles. There, there's. A, I remember a bit with a car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I remember a bit with a uh, not very nice man. Yeah. And, and a vanishing. And a van- and there's, yeah, some people go missing. Not, so, not in a van, though. It wasn't a vanishing. No, it's not a van. It's, it's not a clever title. It's more like an all-terrain vehicle, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was confusing those two movies up. But now I really kind of want to watch The Vanishing. It's been a while. <laughs> and I think that was a remake, the version that I saw. Was it a Dutch film originally? It, it was... Uh, I'm not sure where, where it was made, but it's definitely... Not like an English-speaking language. Scandinavian country or somewhere around yeah. about, I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I should probably watch the, the original because I don't think I've ever seen the original. Okay. Of course, I don't need to say it. We all know that his best movies are Young Guns and Young Guns 2. <sighs> Kiefer Sutherland owns that role. It's Doc. <sighs> and Young Guns 2 is a masterpiece and I won't hear anything else said about it. Well, I'm going to say nothing then. <laughs> <laughs> it's best you say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Reese Witherspoon. Yes. She's the main character in this, main actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was 19 when she was making this film, but she's yep. playing 16 or 15? 15. 15, okay. She plays Vanessa Julia Lutz. Vanessa Lutz. Vanessa. The feminist hero we didn't need, but the one we deserve. The one that we didn't know we needed. Yeah. I didn't know that we needed it until I watched this and I thought, she's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> Take no shit. <laughs> yeah. I... There's, I'm only I've only really seen her in a few things. It's quite okay. funny because I was looking her up on Letterbox, mm-hmm. going through Reese Witherspoon movies as part of the research that we do for this. And I was scrolling through, and I thought, yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that. But there's a bunch that I haven't. So obviously, American Psycho, she doesn't have a huge role in that, mm-hmm. but she's in it, and I fucking love that movie. So well, it's she, worth mentioning. She'd been acting before Freeway. She was in a couple of films. I remember one. Yeah. I think Man on the Moon or Man in the Moon. I think that was her first. Yeah, job. she was playing like 12, 13. Yeah. But I remember seeing that on TV, like Channel 5 or something when I was much, much younger. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard of it until researching for this episode. Okay. Legally Blonde, yeah. which a lot of people have time for. Elle Woods is an icon. Okay. I mean, look, it's not, I don't own it. It's not a film I have any enduring love for. But yeah, it's very well loved. The combo of her and, um, what's her name? Victor Garber. No. <laughs> Um, Jennifer Coolidge. Is Coolidge in that movie? She's so good in that film. Now I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, maybe that's worth a read. You'll just... be doing the bend and snap in no time. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. 
Election. I love Election. Election is so underrated. Election's a brilliant movie. It is, yeah. That definitely would have been the first thing, I think, that I saw her in. Okay. When was that, like 97? She did a bunch. Oh, maybe 98. Was it after Cruel Intentions? Yeah, 99. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, before American Psycho, actually, and after Cruel Intentions, which also was 99. Yeah. I know I went to see both of those at the cinema. Mm. Uh, She was in SFW. She was. Do you remember that? She was Wendy Fister. (laughs) I love that movie. I know it's shit. I love it, though. Walk the Lion. Oh, yeah. Did she get the Oscar for that? I think she might have. I think she might have. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't really care. So... (laughs) Sweet Home Alabama, which I've not seen. There's, I feel like after the the nineties and the early two thousands, she was doing a lot of kind of interesting mostly, stuff. Mostly, yeah, and then she shifted into like rom coms for a good while. I think so, and she was probably making reasonable, reasonably good money doing that. Yeah. So you know, no, why not? You know, if you're making money, you do it. Just that stuff wasn't necessarily aimed at me. I don't think so. There's a bunch of her stuff of the last probably ten years, that I ten fifteen years that I haven't seen, which is a shame because I, she's great in this and she's a really really good actor. I think and so, And I think yeah. she's really compelling and fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see her in more uh, interesting stuff. I mean, like she... she's got all the money in the world at the moment. So, she, you know, well, she doesn't need to do anything, does she? She's, um, I mean, at the moment, she seems more focused in this on this book club thing that she mm. does. And she's producing a lot of films because yeah. basically she sort of options these books from the authors. Uh, kind of, I would say, well, look, from what I've heard, slightly less than reasonable prices. Like right. books that had it, had it been a year in the future would have probably gone for a lot more like she gets in on the ground floor basically options a bunch of books gets the films made like um i think where the crawdads sing was one recently so yeah she sort of recommends these books and then buys the rights and gets the films made so she's doing a lot of that at the moment yeah yeah so she probably doesn't need to do a whole bunch of acting so no no fair enough bokeem woodbine who is popping up an awful lot lately and good because I think he's great. I think he's excellent. I think he's good in this. He plays Chopper Wood. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming Chopper is a nickname based on the surname. I, I, get, I guess so. But that that character can be traced back to, uh, I think, of a, a variant of the original Red Riding Hood story where there's a, a woodcutter mm-hmm. and he does an axe at someone. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and he someone, he does a gun at someone. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, is this like a Romeo and Juliet thing where we're calling guns axes or, or whatever you get what i'm saying <laughs> um yeah so links links yeah he was most recently in the halo tv show he was yeah he was good in that he was good in that i i think i first noticed him in the rock where he's gunnery oh, yeah. sergeant crisp yeah <laughs> and obviously more recently overlord oh yeah of course i've written down queen and slim yes yeah he was the uncle he was the uncle wasn't he yes i remember him he, yeah he was really good in that actually uh-huh. he's got range yeah very recently i watched old dads with bill, bill <laughs> burr um which, thank you for sparing me yeah i knew you wouldn't be interested so i watched <laughs> half of it late at night and the other half in the morning when you were at work and it's not very good but he's all right in it he he, he does he does his job it's it's okay okay if you if, if you're hanging out of your ass you can't be bothered to laugh, think, or really do anything. If it's on the television and you, the, the batteries have run out on your remote and you can't be bothered to get up, then it's fine. That's what Quincy's for. Quincy. If you see me watching Quincy, you know it's a critical mass hangover. Quincy. Yeah. Okay. 
Noted. We've mentioned her already, but Amanda Plummer, mm-hmm. Ramona Lutz, the mother of Vanessa. She's not in it very much, but she makes uh, she makes her presence known. She makes an impact for sure, but she always does, doesn't she? So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yeah, she was in Rose. this weird Halloween-based film called Satan's Little Helper. Okay, that's that, that rings a bell. Yeah, sort of a bit, a bit of a cult classic. I don't know, she's so odd. She's such an unusual actor. And every time yeah. I see her, I'm just like, has she just wandered onto a set? And started talking gibberish and people have filmed her. Because she's nuts in everything. Yeah. She never plays a normal human. No, I've got a feeling that that is kind of her in real life. She's a, yeah. a, a bit of a live wire from, okay. from what I hear. But she's very good in this. And like, she makes an impact and she always does whenever she pops up. Yeah. She's really good in that very sort of short scene, but in Pulp Fiction... That's one of the things I think you, you remember from that movie. Her and Tim Roth, yeah. Yeah, her and Tim Roth were just amazing in that scene. Obviously, everyone remembers her in Joe versus a Volcano. <laughs> and I've already mentioned it, but Free Jack. And who hasn't seen and love the movie Free you Jack? You barely remembered she was in Free Jack earlier. I didn't remember at all. It's only because I, <laughs> I went on Letterboxd. Who else we got? Michael T. Weiss. Not going to go through his filmography. Dan Hadaya. Dan Hadaya. Brittany yeah. Murphy. Brittany Murphy, Conchata Ferrell, Alana Uback, Brooke Shields, um, Wolfgang Bodison. Yeah. Big that, cast. That about covers it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does yeah pretty big it, cast, yeah. actually. Um, it's funny because I always forget just how much ground this film covers. I hadn't watched it in a few years and there are certain scenes that stick out really, really clearly, but I always forget the um, the surrounding structures. Yeah. Like, I remember the meat of it. Okay, the meat cube. But not the... <laughs> yeah. Remember the meat cubes. But not the connecting tissue. I I was very surprised by this film because it, it does cover a lot, of, a lot of ground. A lot happens in it. It kind of feels maybe like a couple of movies that have sort of been stitched together. Do you think? Not in a, not in a bad way, because I enjoyed it. I just was constantly surprised at not even necessarily tonal shifts because it's pretty darkly comic throughout. It's very dark in that in that way that a lot of films were in the 90s that you don't get so much anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's very much kind of outsider cinema. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Oliver Stone was EP on this. So I think I think his writer on Natural Born Killers actually handed him the script and said, okay. hey, Ollie, you'll like this, mate. And he did. Obviously, he read it. But I, but I was thinking about Natural Born Killers while we yeah. were watching this movie and how that, I mean, that movie is funny but it's, it is yeah it's shocking and it's super violent but it is funny but I, I, when i say stuff you could only really get away with in the mm. 90s i mean it's so on pc to a fault and it kind of walks that line of being deeply inappropriate on several different occasions but it never stops being funny yeah and this might sound wild but kind of is charming as well i don't know quite how it manages to be charming yeah it is fascinating, and I agree with all of the things that you've just said. And I think for me, it's the central performance from Reese Witherspoon that gives it the charm that makes me think I'm really attached to that character. I think she's just brilliant in this. Um, I think with a lesser actor, this would suffer a lot more. I think I agree. And yeah. and, and Kiefer Sutherland as well. He, I mean, he's great. He's done some really really good stuff. He's so slimy. He's so slimy in this, and. I think obviously Reese Witherspoon is the most important actor mm-hmm. character in this movie and she holds the movie, but Kiefer Sutherland is a close second. Oh, she needed somebody good to butt heads with for yeah. that to work. Yeah. And I really enjoyed his or their scenes together. Mm-hmm. 
particularly the kind of first scene and how it sort of changes but from them first meeting to where it sort of ends up yeah i think Kiefer southern was kind of an odd choice i guess because he was sort of a bit of a pin-up in the 80s especially off the back of things like the lost boys yeah so this and was young a, guns too and young guns too obviously yeah he plays doc <laughs> he's a poet he wants to be okay yeah yeah he's got depth mm-hmm. um I wouldn't say this was a total departure because obviously he played villains before, but yeah. this was a bit of an out there role. Yeah, it, it's it's. I would say I dare say that you you probably have to have a bit of a don't give a fuck about yourself to to play that role. Yeah, there's got to be a lack of vanity there for sure. That Bob Wolverton character is pathetic he's a coward he's a murderer obviously <laughs> yeah That's that would the, have been the first thing i probably the worst thing about him yeah. I'd say, <laughs> if i'd think about it that and his suits yeah oh god don't get me started <laughs> the worst thing about the 90s was the fucking suits and the <laughs> those tires. oversized blazers oh the tires that are three inches <laughs> wide at the bottom no what are you doing <laughs> we've come so far with suit technology now <laughs> i couldn't go back to the 90s he, I, I respect that he d- did this project. I think he was, I think maybe he was the first cast, which would make sense because you, you often you need a name attached to a project to get well, traction with it. The biggest name at the time, right? Yeah, he was easily. Yeah, yeah. And, but I just, I loved, I loved him in this. I, I thought he was some of the scenes he was ridiculed quite rightly and just looked very pathetic in this. He. But, he sort of towed the line really well between being softly spoken and like having this, you can trust me, mm. I'm just an everyman. And then something switched and he became very menacing very yes. quickly. I was watching that scene quite closely when they first meet and I rewatched it again as well because I, I put the director's commentary on and watched about 30 minutes, I think, of mm-hmm. that. And that happened to include that scene again. So I got to see their performances, but with Matthew Bright's um, <laughs> commentary over the top of it. And I did really concentrate on his facial expressions when while they were talking. And you're right, it was very subtle. They were talking, you weren't, I, I mean, he's called Bob Wolverton, so maybe you've got an idea of- <laughs> The clues are there. Yeah, but, but in that scene, I think he's coming across very nice and she seems like she can trust him. But at the same time, I don't think I really trust her in that scene either. I kind of think, <laughs> I think she's playing him a bit and she, obviously he's playing her a bit in that scene. She's maybe trying to come off a bit more vulnerable than she actually is. Do you think? Maybe. I'm not sure. I read that as quite genuine. I, I'm I'm not sure if that's what was they were going for, but I thought that that was interesting. Yeah. I was thinking that because I wasn't quite sure what anyone's intentions were in that. But it would make sense for her character if she was doing that as well. But it wasn't until they were talking and he was really pressing her for information and she started to reveal things about her life. And that's when he started to change. He does this little smile. You just think, oh, it's because she's being honest and vulnerable and he knows that he's gaining some control. He thinks that he's gaining some control well, over her. He's fully getting off on it. Yeah. Not just the power dynamic, but the content of what she's saying. Yeah. And it's it, so gross. He's kind of saying everything that he can think of to try and reassure her and get her to trust him. But the second that he thinks that she's beginning to trust him, that's when he tries to push a little bit further and say something supremely inappropriate and then mm-hmm. try and walk it back. For a trashy movie, that was actually pretty uncomfortable, that part. It was very uncomfortable. 
but it I was. think it was I think it was necessary because obviously we've we've been with Vanessa from the start. We're already sort of on her side because she's had a fucking rough time of it. She's not exactly a golden girl. She's not a pinnacle of society, but she's a product of her environment. She's a product of her environment, and you get the sense of look. She's just had to do what she's needed she's to, survived. to survive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Her mum gets arrested, and is it Larry, the stepdad? They both get arrested at the start of the movie, so you find out she's going to have to go back into social the social mm-hmm. care system. And when her social worker arrives, they have a hug, and you like obviously there's history there. They know each other, and she she wants to go up and stay with her grandmother. Mm-hmm. So she she uh, handcuffs uh, Mrs. Sheets, is it the social yeah. worker? She handcuffs <laughs> her to the bed, but she notices that she's not able to sit down, so she swaps the handcuffs over, and she reassures her that the key is on top of the fridge. If she shouts loud enough, the building manager will hear her and come and let her out. Yeah, said handcuffs. So she's not totally unfeeling. She's not sort of trapping somebody in this situation where they're going to perish. Um, did you know that the surname Lotz is apparently a German, a gender-neutral German word for renowned warrior? Hmm. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, I wondered what the significance of Vanessa Lutz might be because obviously the the Kiefer Sutherland's character is called Bob Wolverton. Yeah, and if you well, analyze that's what that makes ca- carefully. Yeah. That's got almost the word wolf in it. You have to <laughs> you have to pay attention to that. Do you? So I wondered if there was something subtle going on with Vanessa Lutz as well. It sounds like there was. Are you mocking me? No, <laughs> of course not. I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Chopper Wood. That's got a reference to being a Timberjack. <laughs> Lumberjack. Lumberjack, that's it. Timberjack. <laughs> or now they're called Timberjacks. <laughs> that's my acorn for today. Or Timberjanes, if they are ladies. Yeah. All right. <laughs> are we gendering this, this Timberjack work, are we? Yeah. All right. We've talked about how likeable Vanessa is, but there's a moment after she shoots Bob and is apprehended, and there is very liberal use of the N-word from mm. Vanessa. Yeah, and not just that. There's a lot more that she says after that as well. Cavalcade of racial abuse at the black cop. Yeah. Um, And at that point, it's like, oh, no, I was just starting to like you. (laughs) Shit. I actually am going to walk back my previous statement saying that I like her a lot. (laughs) Now I'm going to say, bit of a dickhead. Well, obviously, there is that moment further down the line where the cop kind of goes to, is it the school or the, ins- ins- whatever institution it is where they were teaching them how to say the cat drinks milk. Um, <laughs> she can't read, but she yeah. can take care of herself. And they see kind of the memorial after Chopper has been killed mm. and realise that her boyfriend was black. And at that point they were like, oh, was she tr- was she sort of playing us? Like, yeah. I and get- they, they realised that the racism was quite pointed and that it wasn't necessarily her beliefs. Yes, and I agree with all of that. And oh, that's, it's, it's still shit. Yes, and I, do, I don't think it was all that clever either. It's like the black cop is now going, oh, but she she had a black boyfriend, so he's, she's definitely not a racist. Hmm. Maybe we should investigate this murder <laughs> plot a bit more carefully. You should have been investigating this anyway. Well, yeah. It was a bit weak. I, I, what I'm getting at is you really didn't need that in there. You could have just whipped that out, and then they could have just been good police officers. Yeah, it was a bad call. It was a bad call. It wasn't intended in any way other than to give that character a reason to reinvestigate the case, which is why I've... And for shock value, let's be honest. for shock value, yeah. It's just, it was so unnecessary. Maybe it's just to emphasise how uneducated she is. She's not a bad person, but she's uncouth and uneducated. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. But still no excuse. No, agreed. Rip it out. (laughs) The dialogue 
with the dialogue yes. out. <laughs> I don't want to, that's what she said come in. Oh, you just said it. Uh, People right. have to take a drink. Take a shot, unless you're driving. <laughs> Pull over to the side of the road, then take a shot. <laughs> yeah, then commence journey. Yeah, don't do not do that. Don't do that, okay? For legal reasons, we don't condone that. Yeah. I think um, just going back to another scene, if I may, between may. Bob Wolverton and Vanessa uh, at the restaurant. It's, it's after they have their discussion in the car and they mm-hmm. go to the restaurant. And he's, I guess, buying her dinner. Yeah. And she shows him a picture of her biological father. Oh, yeah. Wait, who's, was it a picture of Richard Speck? It was a picture of Richard Speck. Yeah. I knew you'd know this. <laughs> During the casting process, Matthew Bright had a picture of Richard Speck. He gave, as you do. As you do. Just had it in his back pocket. It's like top trumps for murderers. I've got Edmund Kemper in my back pocket. Have you? Yeah. I think no. I've got a Bundy in my sock. <laughs> um, I should go to the doctor about that. But uh, yeah, he had a picture of Richard Speck. He gave that to the casting agent and said, you know, find me someone that looks a bit like this. And they're bringing in pictures of people and he's sort of saying no, and that they don't look ugly enough. They've not got enough craters in their face. And <laughs> no one quite fit what he was looking for. So he's like, fuck it, let's just use this picture. <laughs> okay. Let's use this picture. And it cost $250. <gasps> Who owns the rights to pictures of serial killers? I, I wondered who gets that money. Has he got an agent? I don't even was he alive then? I don't know. <laughs> this isn't this is a can of worms. This is gonna be my Google rabbit hole tonight. <laughs> I think that you should do a companion show. <laughs> Stop solo, promising solo this. Solo companion show where you're t- you find out the story behind this. Cause yeah, I was curious who's getting that money, man. Who's getting And can I apply for the rights to <laughs> serial killers' likenesses? <sighs> is that something you'd be interested in? I'm broke, gonna, yeah. What are you gonna do with it? The money? No, you're paying for the licenses. No, no, no. I want to ob- obtain the licenses so I can then sell images. But in in obtaining, I'm not going to listen. Look, I would recoup my expenses very fast. Okay. <laughs> I, all I'm saying is that maybe you should think this through a bit more. <sighs> this is why I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> all your, oh, I'm broke. I spent all my money on licenses <laughs> of serial killers. I've just had a breakthrough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she shows. Bob, a picture of a biological father, and it is real life mass murderer Richard Speck, which I thought was fascinating. And I had no idea when I was watching this. I wondered if the comment was that he was actually her, her dad, and that's why she was a bit gun happy and kind of a tiny psycho. <laughs> maybe that was in the genes. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it it worked. The fact that yeah. I didn't know that it was a real life mass murderer, but now I know that information. If I watch it again, it does it will add something. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so moving on, she's been apprehended. Yeah. Um, and then she goes to trial. <laughs> and I think that's probably one of my favorite scenes. Is this when Bob gets wheeled in? Yeah. Is it is that where you're going? Uh-huh. And she just unleashes a tirade of insults at him. Yeah. And that's when I started to like her again. <laughs> Yeah, she's just so unrelenting and it's really fun to watch because you know that he's this psychopath serial killer, mm-hmm. but he's playing it like he's the victim and it's really nice to see her just unleash on him. Yeah, it's great. A lot of fun. And his po-faced wife played by Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields, yeah. She's pretty good as well. She is good. She's not in it a lot, but she, she again, she makes an impact. Her earrings in that one scene made an impact. I Not on me because I don't remember them. I think Holy I was too cow. busy just going, oh, Brooke Shields. Oh, right. Okay. I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I make jewellery for a living, so I was focused on the earrings. You're going to notice jewellery, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah. It's like me. I'm always going to notice spreadsheets in movies. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, how often does that happen unless you're watching like The Accountant? Or I was going to say The Accountant or The Tax Collector <laughs> or Numbers. Is there a movie called Numbers? Oh, there's a TV show called Numbers. I think I'm thinking about Numbers, the TV show. <laughs> she goes to Juvie. Yeah, well, is it Juvie? It's, it must be because she's... Because they were pushing for her to be tried as an adult, right? Brooke Shields was pushing because she's wife of Bob. Yes. And she was pushing for Vanessa to be tried as an adult because as far as... Uh, I've forgotten her character name. Mimi. Mimi. Mimi Wolverton. <laughs> as far as she was concerned, she tried to murder her husband and she's just a real psychopath because she can't possibly believe that, that Bob is is uh, is the killer. A bit of a wrong one. the I-5 killer, yeah. No one suspects him, which is an interesting thread in the movie, actually, about class. Well, yeah. Which I quite enjoyed. See, the film does have a message. There are layers, Dan. Yeah, but yeah, she's pushing for her to be tried as an adult, but she does go to juvie, and that's where old mate Brittany Murphy comes in. <laughs> old mate. Uh, as Rhonda, yeah. And she's very good. She's she's very unhinged in a couple of scenes that she's got. I always preferred Brittany Murphy when she was a little bit unhinged. Yeah, more interesting. Yeah, I think oh, like... So you're more like freeway... Brittany Murphy than just married Brittany Murphy. For sure, but I I would also agree to meet you in the middle and shake hands on Clueless Brittany Murphy. Oh, she was in Clueless? Yeah, she okay. was Thai. What? I loved her in that movie. I went to see that at the cinema when I was 13. Yeah. And she was my girl because she was the alternative one with the curly hair. Okay. I felt seen. <laughs> the plot thickens. <laughs> Another Clueless connection in this movie. Dan Hadaya. Hey, yeah. There we go. You got it. <laughs> of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they're in the, the juvenile area, I guess, and she's getting beef from some of the other inmates. Uh-huh. Alani Ubach tries to... Well, I don't know why she was approaching her, because she sort of retcons that later on. It's, it looked like she was coming to start a fight. Yeah. But then there's a line later on that suggests maybe she was going to try and crack onto her. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not very seductive, is it? Oh, not at all, no. Her. Very, very menacing, in yeah. fact. Yeah, but um, Vanessa uh, beats her up a bit. She decks her. She decks her and she proves her, I guess, standing in the system. You're yeah. supposed to do that, aren't you? I hear on day one, of, if you go to prison and someone starts on you, you've got to just punch them. Pick the biggest person there and start a fight. Yeah, I don't know if that's a myth. I feel like if I go to prison, there's no way that I'm going to fucking test that theory. <laughs> No way. You are somebody's bitch before the lights go out on day one. I can't ever go to prison. <laughs> I can't. Um, yeah, so she's back into the system, I guess, which is another interesting kind of angle. She's, she's been in and out of the social care system. It's just she, another institution. Yeah. she Someone tries to kill her, and now she's back in an institution again. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe she shouldn't have pulled off to the side of the road and tried to murder Bob, but at the same time... You know, she's kind of doing the right thing. Well, I guess it didn't look good that she shot him repeatedly and stole his money. <laughs> it was a straight up uh, murder attempt. Like there's yeah. no, you, you shot him multiple times, you robbed him. How far would a self-defense plea go? Well, yeah, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Like you could shoot someone in the leg, right? Yeah. But if you shoot someone in the head and then they're running away and you shoot them in the back, I, I, I think your self-defense is weakened. is weakened somewhat <laughs> yeah. by that. Yeah, but, you know, obviously don't murder people, right? I'm going to go out there and say, don't do it. It's a bad thing. Dan's hot take. Hot take is with Dan. 
But in this instance, she's kind of doing the right thing, right? Because... Well, yeah, she's protecting herself and other women. And she says that in the movie. She's like, well, I couldn't live with myself if I just let him go and he murdered more more women because the police aren't finding him. She's got this opportunity in front of her now and you would weigh it up. Like, what should I do in this situation? And she was kind of right. Because she she knows that if they'd gone to the police and Kiefer Sutherland says that to her, they're going to believe me. They're not going to believe you. And he was absolutely right. And and so she was. She did. I think she did the right thing. It was you know? an all caps good for her moment. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. ever there was one. Yeah. Just a, a victim of circumstance. I think is is Very this character much. in a nutshell. Yeah. Very much. But I mean, that's that's one of the things that I do think the film has to say is how the world at large treats people that are seen a certain way. Definitely racially. Definitely the class divide. Yeah. As you said, people are so quick to believe that he was the victim yeah. because of her upbringing and her background. Yeah. But really, we'd only ever really seen bad things happen to her up to that point. Mm. So we've talked about a lot of this movie. We've got to get to the end, really, because obviously based on Little Red Riding Hood. Mm -hmm. So if you're aware of that folktale, you probably know where this is going. I mean, I think most people are aware of that folktale, right? I mean, I'm sort of aware of it when I was a kid, but I didn't remember any of it. And I was surprised where it ended up when it where it did. Okay. Um, so yeah, obviously she's she's in juvenile detention. She makes some friends. She breaks out of juvenile detention in quite a violent way. A quite a very violent way. Uh, but you can't help but think maybe security should have been a bit tighter on a facility that's housing murderers. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't have allowed her the time to make a shiv from a toothbrush. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That was cool. Yeah, well, it's educational as well. Now I know how to make a shit from a dude. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm going to do if I go to prison. I'm yeah. not going to find the biggest person on day one and punch them a bit. You're going to bide your time and then shiv them. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm not. I'm going to cut all of this out because <laughs> this is. Just, this might one day be used as evidence. This is all rhetorical. This is all completely uh, hypothetical. It's all allegedly. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's what the YouTubers say, right? That's what the allegedly, lawyers, the lawyers make you say that it's all alle- allegedly untrue. Something, <laughs> something. They did tone the violence down because apparently this was given an NC seventeen rating to mm. begin with. Okay, um, so they they made some cuts, but um, to get an R rating. I heard that they cut something out of the ending where they both go to end up at their grandmother's, which we were sort of getting to. Well, I mean, the ending is quite a sort of abrupt would you say so she she escapes juvenile detention she gets a car she makes her way to granny's house mm. the police also have come by the address so they're on their way as well but much like the folktale bob beat her to it so we only really get to see the aftermath of what was done to grandma thank god i wouldn't have liked to see what he did because i believe they say he raped and then murdered her okay which definitely wasn't in the fairy tale. I was, I was just about to ask <laughs> yeah. you. I don't remember that. No. <laughs> so, yeah, so he beats her to it. As far as we're concerned, or, or what we see is she turns up and he's in the bed. Yeah. With the grandmother's shower cap on and a dressing gown, or like a, some kind of head device. My, what big eyes you have, Grandma. Yeah, uh, but he's hiding in the bed. And then, yeah, I suppose it is kind of, it, it's a big build up to, to that final scene. And then it is over quite quickly. Yeah. 
I don't, that doesn't bother me so much. The, the whole journey bit, is entertaining. It's the so. whole journey is entertaining. At that point, it's getting a bit silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just at that point. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like, it's a dark comedy, and I think it's a lot of fun, and I laugh a lot at this. But at that point, it is maybe just starting to, to wear a little bit thin. Yeah. Because it's, uh, I think it's hour 50 minutes, hour 45. Something like that, And yeah. it didn't drag, but maybe maybe we could have whipped out five or ten minutes of this. That's fair, yeah. But it did, yeah, it did end very abruptly. But I don't know how else you would have ended a little Red Riding Hood story. You've got to do it, haven't you, really? Yeah, of course. But that's what makes me wonder if some of the cuts were from the finale, maybe. I think I read, you mentioned about what happened to the grandmother. I think there was some stuff around that that, that, that was cut out. For some reason, I've got in my head that there was a vase obscuring her private area okay and maybe that was cut out I, was that in our version i don't remember seeing a vase no. or a private area <laughs> you beat me to it because when you say, i was gonna say oh did you see a a vagine <laughs> no i'm pretty grateful that we didn't get to see uh, uh granny's demise but then they they have a bit of a, a fight a bit of a tussle yeah. at which point it's very very obvious that Reese Witherspoon's stunt double is a good foot taller than her. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I did not notice that. <laughs> I clocked it pretty quickly. All I think right. maybe I was looking out for it though. Maybe but... maybe Kiefer Sutherland's stunt double is a foot smaller. Maybe. Maybe it was forced perspective. <laughs> they weren't even connecting. <laughs> Who knows? The magic of the movies. Yeah. Um, one thing we haven't mentioned is the effects work. John Cole Beckler. Buchler. I never know how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Beckler. Okay. Where um, would I know that name from? Uh, Troll. <laughs> have I seen Troll? I don't <gasps> believe I have. Holy shit. I'm, I'm going to make you watch Troll. Um, Is that like the Icelandic documentary thing? No, that's Troll about? Hunter. Okay. Uh, isn't there like a documentary where someone's like, I made the Troll movie or something and I was in the Troll movie and everyone hated it and that was fun, wasn't it? Best Worst Movie. Yeah. We've watched that. I thought you'd seen that Troll. A, that's <laughs> well, no, that's, Troll. that's about Troll 2. Yeah, I've never seen Troll or Troll 2. But okay. he, this guy, he did the effects for the first movie of those two. He, he made the first movie. Right. But yeah, um, so John Cole Beckler was kind of an unsung hero in the, the VFX sphere, round about sort of the 80s mostly. But obviously the, the big ones that you would think of are like Tom Savini, um, Rick Baker, Botine, Rob Bottine, K&B, which was Kurtzman, and obviously Greg Nicotero, and I forget the third guy's name. But nobody really talks about John Carl Beckler. I've never heard that name before. Well, it's crazy because he was pretty fl- prolific at the time. Yeah. He's dead now, sadly. R.I.P. But he was he was kind of a major player for a while. Okay. And I'm sad that he doesn't get more mentions because I think some of the stuff here was pretty good. I, while you were just talking, I was trying to think of some of the effects work in this. Now, I, I do know that I mean, Amanda the... Plummer is wearing a fake herpes on her face. <laughs> okay. Which, which slid off because it was so hot. There's a really <laughs> funny bit, actually, which maybe I'll insert a, an audio clip here. But there's a funny bit where Matthew Bright is on a commentary talking about that scene. And he says it was so hot that the herpes kept slipping off. And then it gets to another scene. He goes, oh, the herpes are back on it. <laughs> Mom's herpes kept falling off. Like I said, it was 118 degrees. And our herpes wrangler wasn't on the set that day. <laughs> now the herpes back on again. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, obviously... The, the big a... one is post-shooting Kiefer. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, the, the one that I can think of is how Kiefer Sutherland looked. Yeah. With the mouth that's open and he's drooling. And the drooling, yeah. Which I'm guessing is a, a wolf reference. Because if you think about it carefully, you could read him as the wolf 
Because <laughs> his name's Bob Wolverton. If I mean, you think about it, if you look very at that. It's very subtle. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I thought about the drooling. His face was re- done really well. I don't quite know how they... I guess they must have had a, a plastic thing in his mouth that was propping open his mouth. Yeah. And... I think the teeth were fake as well. Okay, yeah. But then, but like, his his whole look, especially post-shooting, he has really big serial killer glasses on. Yeah. Which kind of calls back to the, my, what big eyes you have, Grandma. Oh, yeah. Um, His teeth are permanently in a snarl. Oh, what big teeth you have, Grandma. Yeah. So there's oh. definitely some thought gone into it. What a big drool you have, uh, Grandma, <laughs> doing a big drool on me. Oh, Grandma, what you've got a... a a speaker system wired up to your chest for some reason grandma which i didn't notice until really later on in the film when he spoke yeah and i thought what why is he sounding like this and then i looked at his chest and he's got this like walkman um walkie, <laughs> walkie, is it what do you call it like a walkie talkie type radio thing mm-hmm. going on yeah interesting creative yeah i, I think it. so i mean there were, there were quite a lot of creative choices in this and yeah. honestly i mean we're sort of drawing to the end of the show now um, I've made no bones about the fact that I love this film. As I said, watched it maybe 15, 16 years ago for the first time. I own it on two formats. Yeah. It's one that I return to every few years. And it, honestly, I think it's kind of a highlight in Reese Witherspoon's career and I wish it got more attention. I'd agree. I, I definitely put this in my top three Reese Witherspoon performances. <laughs> definitely. Like no questions asked immediately. Maybe top two. Okay. And it's, it's kind of surprising because I, before this, I'd never heard of the filmmaker Matthew Bright. Mm-hmm. And I'm very surprised by how good this movie is. <laughs> yeah. It, is it, it maybe feels like it's one of those accidentally good scenarios. But maybe. then again, if Oliver Stone's reading a the script, it, there's something there. It, a lot of it was in the script already, I'm guessing. So, you know, anyone can make something great. But I'm particularly when I look at Matthew Bright's filmography now and the last thing that he made was that tiptoes oh no oh shit that really insensitive one about little people yeah oh no i haven't seen so i can't really judge it but i saw a trailer and i'm judging it based on the trailer it looks fucking horrible i mean it's basically been like scrubbed hasn't it i think i think Matthew McConaughey, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, Beckinsale, like the, yeah, the Beckinsale. cast is there. You can buy it on DVD for £20 in the UK. I'm not going to spend £20 on that, not even to cover it. I might spend <laughs> £20. I might, because that is going to disappear. You're not going to find that anywhere. And Probably right, for the best reason. Rightfully yeah, so. Like, uh, again, again, I say I haven't seen it, so I don't know what the content of it is, but it didn't seem great. Probably for the best that it does disappear. Yeah. Yeah, so knowing now that he made that movie and I haven't seen uh, Freeway 2 so I can't comment on the quality of that movie but obviously he made that too I don't know it feels like maybe this was the peak of his career the first movie was that he direct wrote and directed was the best thing he ever did maybe question mark yeah I mean um, Freeway 2 is all right okay like is that um old mate Natasha Uh, Leone Natasha Leone yeah yeah people generally like the first one a lot more though Okay. But maybe it was just serendipitous. Maybe all of the pieces aligned at the right time. And like you say, it was just one yeah. of those unrepeatable accidents. Yeah. Happy accidents. I think I, I'd be curious after watching this movie, I, I would give the second one a go. Okay. I love Natasha Leone. She's great. She's brilliant. I think it is based on a different folklore. It's mm-hmm. not Little Red Riding Hood again. I think again. it's Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel. And that's the one where don't get in the oven because that's naughty. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's not to be in the oven and you might get cooked a bit. I don't think that's the message, but... Get in that fucking pie. 
we're, we're straying from yeah. the path here. Yeah, so Matthew Bright, good movie. He made a good one here. Well he done, did. mate. I yeah. enjoyed it. And I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this, actually. Yeah, a fair it has its it has its critics. Mm. I think um that's understandable. It's very, very dark in places. Yeah. Very dark. So it's definitely not for everyone. But I think if you acknowledge it as kind of nineties trash and just go along with it and enjoy the ride, I think yeah. there's a lot a lot to get out of this movie. I agree too, but for me, it's very, very entertaining. The performances are great. I really enjoy, or I, or I think some of the themes and some of the threads that are going through this movie are very interesting. Yeah. And you you could have a wider discussion on some of those. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. What are we doing next week, Dan? Sticking with folklore. This might be the oldest film that we've covered thus far. Yes, easily. 1964? Yes. I thought it was 68. I've written down 64. I trust you. But I trust you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's between the years 1964 and 1968. <laughs> but we're covering Oni Baba. Which is a 1st time watch for both of us. Yes. And I'll be honest, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit intimidated by this one. <laughs> okay. We've got to do a proper talk about a, a classic film. We do. Ooh. One that commode really rates as well. We can't let Film Daddy down. No. 